So, uh, I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I, I, I really felt Yeshua telling me to spend some time talking about hearing His voice. Um, so, I'm going to be continuing that theme today. We're just going to be talking about hearing Yeshua's voice. Um, two weeks ago, we looked at a passage where Yeshua described the relationship that each of us as a disciple can have with Him. And the first thing He, used, he said about that relationship is that we hear His voice, each of us. Uh, we also looked at a passage in the, by, um, written in the prophet Jeremiah, where Yahweh, the God of Israel, says that in this new covenant relationship with Him, every one of us will know Him, know Him personally, know Him individually. He even said, we wouldn't be teaching each other, saying, know Him, because we would all know Him. Um, then last week we talked, so that's the what. Uh, basically, what the Creator of the universe is offering every one of us, uh, everyone in the human race. Uh, last week we talked about how. How do we enter into that relationship? How do we experience um, hearing Yeshua's voice for ourselves? And we looked at something that He said on His last night on earth with His disciples uh, before His death. Uh, this week, I want to look at another passage with you along those lines. Uh, you could say that this is what Yeshua offers. You could say this is also how to experience it, uh, not only individually, but I also, I believe, corporately. Uh, you, um, you remember how the disciples had nicknames for each other? Every now and then these little nicknames pop up. Uh, that generally doesn't happen in a circle of men unless they spend a lot of time with each other. Like, unless they spend almost an insanely like large quantity of time with each other. They get really tight. They get really comfortable around each other. And they start nicknaming each other. Uh, do you remember some of the nicknames that were, that were going around then? Yeah, the Sons of Thunder. Yeshua, Yeshua nicknamed several of his guys. That would be like calling them maybe the Thunder Boys in English, something like that. Yeah, Shimon was called uh, Peter Kepha. Rock. Rocky is maybe what it would sound like in English today. Yeah, Thomas the Twin, right? Yeah, Didymus, right? I think that had a meaning maybe having to do with the heart or something like that. Yeah, there was a little James, yeah. Yeah, so you can hear that there was a lot of nicknames uh, that these guys were giving each other. And that Yeshua, Yeshua was in on it. He was giving His disciples nicknames. And uh, we are going to be looking at something that one of Yeshua's disciples wrote decades and decades later. And um, in English... He would probably be best known as Dear John. That would probably be like his nickname, Dear John, because he was called John the Beloved. And when you actually look at that in the context of these guys nicknaming each other, it begins to make more sense. Uh, he was probably the youngest of the Talmudim. He was almost for sure single when he answered Yeshua's call to follow. He was the younger brother of, um, of um, James, or Yaakov, right? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Zavdai. And... Uh, Late in his life, uh, dear John, Yeshua's beloved disciple that he was especially close with, he wrote, he wrote a letter to, um, basically to the whole Yeshua movement. A uh, fancy term for that would be a Catholic epistle. It was a general one for everybody. And uh, we're going to be looking at that in 1 John chapter 2, verses 26 to 27. This is what he wrote. These things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. 
but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you you abide in him this is this is God's word and I want to look at this with you uh, there, there are seven things that jump out at this path at me from this passage and uh, they're, they're very they're very relevant to this question of how can we grow in this relationship with the master where every one of us hears his voice and therefore we as a community are also hearing his voice um, I had mentioned previously that some of you ha- have expressed this this concern you don't want to um, you don't want to fall into deception or be deceived uh, you don't want to end up falling for false teachers uh, and that's a very good concern because Yeshua said, you know, in the Akhirit Hayamim, the end of these days, there are going to be many false teachers, false prophets. Watch out. Be careful. Be on guard. Be, be aware. You know, Yeshua himself gave those warnings and then also his apostles did in numerous places. And did you hear, that's how Yochanan began this excerpt. He said, these things I've written to you concerning who? Those who are trying to deceive you. So you could almost view this letter as perhaps to some degree a reactionary letter or a responsive letter. He is reacting to deceptive trends in the early Yeshua movement. He was addressing a problem of people falling into deception, following false teachers. And he says, these things I've written to you about that. And then, basically, he gives the answer. He gives the, you could say, the antidote or the inoculation against, uh, against deception. And uh, interestingly enough, this is very similar to another passage we looked at, where Yeshua said, you know, the spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. Um, when, you, when you are my disciple and you have the relationship with me like a sheep has with a shepherd, you'll be hearing my voice and nobody's going to pluck you out of my hand. You are not going to perish. You're not going to be lost. Um, same idea here. You're going to be safe from those dangers out there. Um, the word here, he says, for... Um, Basically, shall we say the inoculation or what will keep us safe? He says, as for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And uh, I want to look with you at that word for anointing. Um, In English, to be anointed means to have oil uh, dumped on you or applied to you. Uh, it's, It's a Middle Eastern concept. It's a Middle Eastern practice. We really don't do that very often today. Uh, of course, in Israel, you know that when someone was anointed, when they had the oil dumped on them, it was a sign that they were being inaugurated as king or as priest. So, the, uh, the Greek word here for the anointing is chrisma. Everybody say chrisma. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, the same, it's the same word from which we get the English words charisma and charismatic. So, the idea of the anointing has to do with charisma and being charismatic. Now, not in like the, not in the doing the funky chicken on the floor sense of the word that you see sometimes in, in, in some, um, Christian circles. We're just talking charismatic in, in maybe in the broader sense of the word. You know, there are, there are, there are public figures who are charismatic. Maybe there's a, maybe there's something of a correlation there, just in terms of the feel of the word. Uh, this, this word, this Greek word for anointing, chrisma, it's related to the Greek term for Christ, Christos, which means the anointed one. That's where we get the term Christ in, in English, of course. And then, um, also the uh, English word we have is Christians. The original Greek is Christianos. Can you say Christianos? 
So if someone said in English, I'm a Christian, they're getting that from the Greek term, Christianos, which means, uh, people say it literally means like a little Christos, a little anointed one. So Yeshua is the big anointed one, the big Christos, and, and if you're a Christianos, a Christian, then you're a little anointed one. You are a little one, that's right, Teresa. And we pray that you'll be a little, a little anointed one also, that you'll be anointed with Yeshua's spirit. And Teresa, I'm so happy that you're listening to this talk. Thank you for giving me that feedback. <laughs> oh, I love you too. Um, it's highly probable that Yochanan, who was a Hebrew speaker, he read the, he read the Bible in Hebrew, he prayed in Hebrew. Uh, when he lived in Israel, he spoke Hebrew. It's highly probable that he thought in Hebrew terms also, even when um, even when he was communicating in Greek. So I'll give you the Greek word for the anoint, uh, the, the Hebrew word for the uh, anointing. The Hebrew word is mishcha. Everybody say mishcha. So in Greek, it's chrisma. And then in Hebrew, it's Mishcha. I would transliterate that M-I-S-H-C-H-A-H. Mishcha. And uh, it's from the verb, the Hebrew verb to mashach, which as I said means to pour oil on something or someone or to, uh, to anoint it, to uh, smear it with oil. Um, of course, that's where the term Messiah in English comes from. Yeshua is the Mashiach, the anointed one. He's the guy with the Mishcha the anointing on him. And if you are messianic, then in Hebrew, do you know how you would say that? You would say you are mashichi. Yeah, mashichi. Um, do you want me to transliterate that for you too? Or you guys, do you guys have that figured out? Okay, I, I, I would probably transliterate it M-E-S-H-I-C-H-I. Except it's like, or you could even knock out the E on the front, because it's not really like Meshichi, or maybe you could write M-I, it's like Meshichi, there's almost no uh, vowel right after the Ma. So, anyway, yeah, so in, in um, basically, get this though, so like if you call yourself Christian, the whole idea is you follow someone who is anointed, and you yourself are anointed. If you call yourself Messianic, exact same thing. What it's saying is you are following the man who is anointed, and you also are anointed. So whether you call yourself Christian or Messianic, the, the, that whole idea has everything to do with the anointing. That's interesting. And then here is Yochanan saying, as for you, the anointing which you have from him uh, abides in you. So all that to say, that should be one of the huge hallmarks of who we are as Messianic people or as Christians. That we, uh, we have the anointing in us. The anointing is um, something that we experience on a daily basis. The anointing is real to us. The anointing affects how we treat other people, how we relate to the world around us, uh, how we make our decisions, uh, how we see ourselves, uh, what we do when we gather together as a community. Uh, the anointing is, is, is a huge thing for us. So that's um, the second thing that I have to share with you from this passage. Uh, thirdly, we have the question, how, how do you get that anointing? And here he says, um, as for you, the anointing which you received from him. And I think that's the key there. He says it's something that you receive from Yeshua. So to experience his anointing in your life, you want to cultivate a relationship with him in which you receive from him, in which he is giving to you. 
to, to me to have a relationship where you're receiving from him or receiving from anyone, it has to be an open relationship. Your heart has to be open to that person. Uh, I'm sure we've, we've, we have friends where we're very open with each other and our hearts are very open and we're very receptive to each other. There's that give and take of ideas or, or joy or whatever the case may be. And then perhaps we've also um, known people where, where there was a closedness, where you can tell the person was closed to you. They, they really weren't receiving anything that you had to say. They maybe weren't receiving you for who you were. Uh, you can hear the, the contrast between those two, eh? Uh, thankfully, Yeshua offers us a relationship with Him where we can be entirely open with Him and where He's also open with us. That's, that's very meaningful to me. Um, it also um, implies a relationship with Yeshua in which we're humble because if you're going to receive something from someone else, that, that implies some humility. Um, in terms of our relationship with Yeshua, it implies that we need something, that we need Him, that we're humble enough to say, Yeshua, I, I need your anointing, I, I need whatever it is that you, uh, that you are offering. Um, also, if we are just doing things on our own, independently, um, and thinking, I deserve something from Yeshua. Look what a good person I am. Look at all of these good things that I'm doing. L- look at my list. Look how religious I am. However you want to phrase that. When we begin thinking like that, we, um, we lose that posture of openness. Because then we think we're entitled to stuff. So definitely like a relationship with Yeshua in which we are in touch with His grace. We, um, we, we depend on His generosity. will enable us to, uh, to grow in His anointing. And then finally, uh, Yeshua, He said, like, the Spirit is something I'm promising you. The Spirit is something I'm offering you. So if you trust me, receive what I'm offering. Say, say yes. So I would say simply a trust-based relationship is also a real prerequisite to, um, to that kind of receiving relationship. And so, I mean, that's, like, that's really simple, right? That's a no-brainer. But I, I need to be reminded of that sometimes. Like, I need to be reminded pretty much every day, Yeshua is out there somewhere, Maybe even a little closer than out there somewhere. But you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeshua exists. He's alive from the dead. And He's offering me His anointing today. If I want to look at Him, if I want to take some time to open my heart to Him, if I want to receive uh, that flow of His Spirit. I, I need to be reminded of that pretty much every day. I think that's why it's really smart to block time out of our schedules, to just be quiet, to just listen, to just escape the busyness, to get in that... To get in that that, uh, that, that space with him, eh? Uh, the fourth thing that jumps out at me from this passage is where the anointing is. He says, As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides where? In you. That's right. And, uh, you know, I didn't look at the Greek, so I don't know if he was saying that, like, to you individually or if he was saying that to you plurally. But I think both are true. The, if, you have, if you believe in Yeshua, then his anointing is in you individually. And that, of course, also means that his anointing is in our midst corporately. When we gather, his anointing is in our midst. And um, I actually have a story to read to you about that. This is a, this is a story about a lady who, that, who uh, definitely didn't know Yeshua, and she reached a point in her life where she came to know him. And she came to a startling realization. It's a story about the kind of, the kind of women that Yeshua reached um, 2,000 years ago that uh, were often turned off to, um, to um, religious, uh, I don't know what you want to call them, like kind of strict religious types. This is a, this is a story from Darren Patrick's book, uh, Church Planter. 
And this is a story from a man named Alex Early. He, he planted a church called Four Corners Church. And he says this, In January of 2007, I left a cushy church job for something more radical. I had continued to read the Gospels over and over again and continued to see Jesus as a friend of sinners. I scrolled through my phone and looked at my calendar. I was appalled. I had no unbelieving friends. Everyone in my life was a Christian, white, upper-middle-class Republican. I knew no sinners. I started to think, who in the Bible Belt doesn't know Jesus and why? I thought of the local bar scene. I thought of the homosexual community. God told me to quit my church job and go downtown to a gay-friendly bar called the Alamo and get a job there. The clientele is unique and staff are covered in sleeve tats and are quite open about their atheism. I thought to myself, perfect. I got a job as a a bar back. My job was to stock fridges and clean the place up. I would substitute teach from 7.45 a.m. to 3.15 p.m. and then go to the Alamo from 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. four days a week. I started having conversations with Alamo co-workers and patrons, getting to know them and slowly having opportunities to share about the person and work of Christ. Eventually, I won the ear of the owner of the Alamo, Amy Murphy. Amy, a 37-year-old lesbian and self-proclaimed atheist, found out I was planting a church. She asked me about it one day, and when I told her I was hosting a meeting in my living room for people who were interested in the church, she asked if she could come. Of course, I said. To my surprise, she actually came. After the meeting, Amy approached me saying, You need a bigger place for church. I laughed and said, Yeah, why don't you give me the Alamo? In a grace-filled moment of utter surprise, Amy said, Okay, done. And it was. She told me we could have it rent-free, and we started meeting at the Alamo the following Sunday. Months later, Amy and I were sitting in her backyard on a summer day eating barbecue, and she said, I feel like I have a new heart. I pray all the time and ask Jesus to forgive me for my sins and help me live for him at work because it's such a crazy job. I mean, I've known over the past few months that God was with me, but now I feel like God is actually inside of me. Is that normal? It was my immense pleasure in that moment to tell Amy that Jesus had saved her, that what she was feeling and experiencing was one of the primary benefits of salvation, the indwelling of God's Spirit. So that's a pretty radical story. And you know, some people would say, I disagree with them having church in a bar. I disagree with him working in a bar. And you know what, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm sure it's okay to disagree with those things, right? But just what, what is meaningful to me is that there was a self-proclaimed atheist, lesbian, who owned a bar, and she met Yeshua because of this guy who actually went into her world. And she began to experience a relationship with Yeshua gradually. You know, it was... Was it the end of her journey? Was that the finale of her journey? No, it was the very beginning. But at the beginning of her journey, Yeshua came to her where she was at. And he started, uh, he initiated contact with her. He started a relationship with her. And she started to grow in that. And she reached this point where God was no longer somewhere out there. God was inside of her. She felt it. She knew it. And I just think, wow, what, what, a, what a beautiful story from um, a radical church planter and uh, someone that he, uh, that he reached about basically what this passage is talking about. Where is the anointing of his spirit? It's not like some thing out there like a UFO. He, he comes inside of you. You know Yeshua inside of you. Yeah. Um, the fifth thing that this passage uh, tells us is what his anointing does. Uh, his anointing, quite simply, teaches us. He says... Um, 
As for the anointing you receive from Him, it abides in you, and His anointing teaches you about all things. So if you have a new believer, and they're like, I have so many questions, I have so much stuff I need to learn, what do you tell them? Who, who, who do you direct them to? Yeah, you, you, te- you direct them to Yeshua and to His anointing, which is inside of them. And, of course, to the written word, because you know, the, the anointing works hand in hand with, with the written word. But I think, it's, I, I, I think I've been at fault there, quite frankly. You know, when, when it comes to um, new believers, my tendency would be to, towards getting them into all kinds of stuff, or programs, or um, ministries, or maybe even just getting them into a Bible reading program. And I personally, I've totally overlooked this. I have overlooked the fact that when someone becomes a believer in Yeshua, his anointing comes into them. And the anointing is Yeshua. And the anointing is there to, to answer the questions, to teach them, to show them, to guide them on a daily basis. And uh, that's what I was going to share last week that I forgot. That was the thing during our first talk that really stood out to me that Charlotte had mentioned. Teach new believers to, to hear the, the, the Ruach, the Spirit for themselves. You know. And uh, anyway, I just had to share that from last week because I uh, left you guys at suspense for a solid week. Okay, <laughs> um, he, uh, he mentioned there that if the anointing is your teacher, the anointing in every believer is there to teach you about all things. He, he says it. He says it straight up. You have no need for anyone to teach you. That's a, that's a corollary, right? If the anointing is inside of you and the anointing is there to teach you about all things, you don't need anyone to teach you. Um, you know, that's why I'm saying, wow, I can see how the written word is important, I can see how community is important, but to, just to emphasize that, that's, that's, that, for me, that's a, that's a, that's a paradigm shift, right? Mm. Totally. And actually, I have a disclaimer at the end about that. Because the danger is, someone says, oh, I have the anointing in me. And they, and they basically, they fall into anarchy. They say, no leadership. I can just do this thing on my own. And, and it's, it's one of the dangers of the freedom that we have. You know, it's one of the excess, excesses to which we can go. Eh? So I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. Just because you have the anointing in you doesn't mean you don't need anybody and you can just become a lone ranger. Because the lone ranger gets shot. Yeah. And uh, the seventh thing that this, this that jumps out at me from this passage is the result of the anointing teaches us. He, he finishes by saying, as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, what's the result? He says, you abide in him. So that's how you can tell. If you're really hearing from Yeshua, if the anointing of His Spirit within you is teaching you, the result will be a deepening relationship with the Master. Uh, the result will be you, you abide in Him. Uh, that basically means you stay in Him. It's the opposite of straying from Him. So the anointing will result in you staying in Yeshua, staying in Yeshua's teachings, staying in a mindset where He is the most important person in your life, where you cannot help but talk about Him. So if you, if you almost never hear someone mention the name of Yeshua, if, it, if, if, like, if the way they do life just suggests that Yeshua is not at the very center of who they are and what they're doing, maybe they're not learning from the anointing. And you know what? I believe that applies to teachers out there, whether they be Christian or Messianic or any religion. If there's a religious teacher out there and they're teaching stuff, but they're not talking about Yeshua... That's not the anointing. 
Quite simply, that is not the anointing. Because the Ruach testifies of Yeshua. He's Yeshua's spirit. The anointing results in people growing in the relationship with the Master. Uh, like living in union and communion with Him. Like developing an authentic relationship with Him. Eh? So that, that I would say is the litmus test. And uh, that's something that we can remember. You know, whether it be you encounter some teacher or some website out there. Or, or even in our own community. You know, test teachings. Test messages that would claim to be inspired. And if they do not direct you towards Yeshua, if they do not result in a deepening relationship with the Master, you may want to red flag that. That may not be from the anointing of His Spirit. And you know what? There's a lot of te- there are a lot of teachings, a lot of in- supposedly inspired messages out there, and they sound great, and they can kind of get you revved up, but Yeshua is not in it. And uh, that's, that's scary. So w- w- watch out for that. You know, it's... Um, we're a bride, right? Yeshua came and He, he introduced Himself to us and he, he won our hearts and uh, He betrothed us to Himself with that, that Passover cup. And then He left and He said, I'm coming back for you. So that's the relationship we have. We are a bride waiting for our groom to return. Guess who we think about day and night? Guess who we daydream about? Guess who, in, the, in the daytime, guess who we dream about at night? Guess who we long for? Guess who we can't help but talk about all the time? the one that we're in love with. It's the one that betrothed us to himself. It's the one that's returning for, uh, for the wedding celebration. The one that we're going to live with forever. Yeshua. Yeah. So let, let's continue to fall in love with him and to stay in love with him and uh, to grow in our relationship with him through his anointing in each one of us and also in, in our midst as a community. Um, I mentioned I have a disclaimer here. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Basically, the disclaimer is, just because each of us, like I mentioned, has that relationship with Yeshua, doesn't mean we don't need teachers, doesn't mean we don't need prophets, doesn't mean we don't need apostles. Um, Very clearly, Yeshua gives those people to communities. Yeshua calls people, and He he speaks through people and operates through them. And uh, we'll we'll look at a couple of passages about that next week. So, leave you with a bit of a cliffhanger there. So just... Just because I don't hit the disclaimer this week in detail, none of you become anarchists in this upcoming week, okay? Okay, good. Thank you. Shalom. I'm Izzy Avraham. And thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.